Hey everybody, welcome in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and today we're going to double dip into the 2020 player preview series that we've been doing with the Orioles. And we're going to look at the two most established uh, left-handed relievers that are currently on this Orioles roster. Two guys that you can maybe not completely pencil in, but pretty much think that they will be on the 26-man opening day roster. And those two guys would be the left-hander Richard Blyer and the left-hander Paul Fry. We're going to kind of look at what they have done in their careers with the Orioles and what the O's can expect from them this year. So we start with Blyer. He's the more established of the two, 32 years old. This will be his age 33 season when his uh, birthday comes around in early April, a sixth-round pick back in 2008 by the Rangers out of Florida Gulf Coast. And remember, he started his big league career with the Yankees back in 2016. Actually had a really good year with New York, 23 appearances, 23 innings out of the bullpen, and a 1.96 ERA for Blyer. However, 13 strikeouts, four walks. He obviously continued to be a guy who just gets the ball put in play, not really a strikeout pitcher, but but doesn't walk a lot of guys either and then he was traded by the Yankees to the Orioles in February of 2017 actually a few days ago was the three-year anniversary of that trade and he was just traded for a player to be named later or cash over to Baltimore after a pretty good season and the Yankees didn't hold on to him and instead he stuck with the Orioles and that 2017 season was a phenomenal one for Richard Blyer. 57 appearances in 2017, 63 and a third innings, a 1.99 ERA for the lefty. And again, in 63 innings, 26 strikeouts, 13 walks. And really, it's just a lot of balls put in play. Obviously, the ground ball rate was still extremely high for Richard Blyer, and it continues to be extremely high for a guy like Blyer, who is really a, a sinker ball pitcher, not not precisely a sinker ball, kind of the, a lefty two-seam guy. Um, it will throw a breaking ball, but it's really that 90-mile-per-hour fastball that darts away and down against right-handers, and he gets himself a whole lot of ground balls, and that's what he's going to thrive on in his career 62% ground balls to just 21% fly balls against Richard Blyer and the 17% line drives against him. And in that 2017 season, the numbers were even up. He was up at 69% grounders, and he was really pitching almost at his best. And, and you really thought, you know, who's this Richard Blyer guy? Well, he turns around in 2018 and pitches just as well. Uh, 1.93 ERA and 31 appearances out of the bullpen and 32 and two-thirds innings and was almost going to be an all-star but then of course had that injury back in 2018 and and missed the second half of the season and missed a little time last year but then came back and was basically a completely different pitcher last year in last season 53 appearances 55 and a third innings the ERA jumped all the way up to 5.37 for Blyer. He actually set a career high in strikeouts with 30, and he only walked eight last year. So that was the good thing. The bad thing was the ground ball rate was down last season for Blyer. He was getting hit around much more often 
than he's used to. I mean, the ground ball rate was under 60%, not usual for him. And as far as the contact was concerned, I mean, guys were just were just hitting him harder than they ever have. Uh, he's used to getting a lot of soft contact. That percentage was down at just 16%, which was one of the lowest numbers of his career last year. And, you know, he got a little unlucky as well. The BABIP, the batting average on balls in play, was was up against him last year. It was It was up at 316. But just something wasn't quite right about the movement of the pitches for Richard Blyer last year. And that obviously turned into an issue for a guy who did end up with four saves and was pitching in a lot of different roles for Baltimore last year as they tried to figure out what they could do with him with the numbers way up. But now he'll come back in his in his age 33 season. And the hope for him is, you know, what will his role be in this bullpen? Will he be a back-end guy? Will he be more of a middle reliever? Uh, he did start one game as the opener last year. Could he do that more often? Is he, he's shown he can go two innings at a time but if he can get back to that 2017-2018 Richard Blyer where he's getting all the ground balls and keeping that ERA down he becomes a very interesting piece for the Orioles and obviously for Baltimore you know he's he's getting a little older at 33 he's obviously got plenty of years to pitch left he hopes but I think if you're the Orioles you know you've got all these arms coming up what you'd love for Richard Blyer is that ERA gets back down towards two this season the ground ball rate goes back up and then maybe you can deal him at the deadline and, and potentially you know you're not going to get a lot maybe just a low level prospect or some cash or or whatever but if you can maybe just squeeze a low level prospect out of Richard Blyer and open up some chances for some younger relievers to come up and pitch I think that would work out but also if you want to hold on to him and, and keep him in that pen for a couple more years I think that works as well for Blyer who the Orioles would just love to see get back to that 2017 and really 2018 numbers that that made him him so good. So either way, though, you you will see him on the opening day roster as he did avoid arbitration with the Orioles this year. He'll make nine hundred fifteen thousand dollars on the one year deal, avoiding arbitration back in early December with Baltimore. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get those numbers down. You know, it was such a huge jump after really three really good years. I mean, only 23 appearances with the Yankees in 16, but three consecutive seasons where the ERA was was minuscule for for a guy like Richard Blyer who wasn't, you know, seen as any sort of really highly ranked prospect, but to have an ERA under 2 for three consecutive seasons and then have it jump up to 5.37, there's a little bit of a cause for concern for Blyer and and when you look at his numbers you know you can look at it two ways the the one way is you know he he had an off season the other way is if you look at the FIP number that's the fielding independent pitching it's a stat that that measures a pitcher's effectiveness at at preventing homers preventing the walks and and causing strikeouts and it also brings into account you know a more average fielding team if you're getting hurt by your defense as well but it's a number that looks a little deeper than ERA. And, and if you dive into no, those numbers for Blyer, they're always higher than his ERA, which will happen, obviously, to a ground ball pitcher. Their their FIPs are usually up a little bit because they don't get a lot of strikeouts. However, if you look at the FIP in 2017, the ERA was 1.99 in 63 innings. The FIP was at 4.37, which is one of the most starch differences on the Orioles staff and among um, 
any pitchers in the AL East really that year. And if you look at last year, the ERA at 5.37, but the FIP actually lower at 4.19. So really what all those numbers say is, you know, he's not a 5.37 ERA pitcher, but he may not be an under 2 ERA guy either. And maybe he settles back into the middle this year to what he probably will be for the rest of his career. So it'll be something to watch for Blyer. You know, there was a lot on, on Richard Blyer, but I think just an interesting case on how much those numbers jumped last year. And you have to put into effect, you know, he, he came back from the injury and maybe just wasn't right last year. And hopefully he'll turn that around this year. But the other lefty I want to get to is, of course, a guy who's been in the majors for a little bit less time. And that's Paul Fry as the 27-year-old lefty Fry. This will be his third season pitching in the majors with Baltimore. He was a 17th round pick of the Mariners all the way back in 2013 out of St. Clair County Community College in Michigan, one of those not very well-known prospects. And another guy who was traded to the Orioles in 2017 for international bonus slot money, so no other players involved in the deal, and he came to the O's in April of 17. He pitched in the minors in all of 17 with Baltimore, but then made it to the big leagues in 2018 he pitched in 35 games for the Orioles in 2018 37 and two-thirds innings and he had a solid season a 3-3-5 ERA struck out 36 and and walked only 15 in that span and you know had a pretty solid year out of the bullpen he was he was getting lefties out pretty well but but last season again for Paul Fry same thing those numbers really jumped up for him in 2019 he had an expanded role almost doubled the amount of appearances for him he came out of the Orioles bullpen 66 times last year and only pitched 57 in a third inning so he was coming in really as a lefty lefty guy sometimes and we know with the new rule this year where it's a three batter minimum unless you face the final hitter of the inning that could make it for Paul Fry. He's going to have to start getting righties out a little bit better, but the numbers went up for Fry last year. He still was at 55 Ks in 57 and a third innings, but the walks went way up, and the ERA jumped all the way up to 5.34. So for Fry, it's it's going to be another case of of can he get that those numbers back down, just like Richard Blyer. And and I think you know the the, the difference between a guy like Blyer. You know, you look at his numbers, and, and obviously he was much better against lefties last year, but but he really didn't face that many more lefties. He's facing a lot of righties. And for Blyer, if you dive into the career, you know, when the numbers were good, he was really getting righties and lefties out. He was getting everybody out with that you know, two-seam pitch that was just causing everybody to beat the baseball into the ground and getting a lot of ground ball outs. And he's always been better against lefties, but the numbers were still okay against righties. And for Paul Fry, you know, he's kind of an interesting case because you look at the way he throws kind of the angle from the left side and you think, wow, this guy is a lefty-lefty guy. He is going to dominate lefties and struggle against righties. It's really not the case, though, for Paul Fry. Last year in what was a struggle... He ended up facing about 120 lefties and about 140 righties. And they both hit about the same. The, the righties hit 244. The lefties hit 250 against him. He actually gave up seven home runs, and six of them came against left-handed batters last year. And he struck out the righties at a higher rate. So 
that's what makes it interesting because if you're looking at Fry, you're thinking, oh, he just didn't get righties out last year, and, and that's why the numbers were so up. No, he was actually getting righties out at almost a higher rate than lefties, and maybe that's why the numbers were were so high for him last season as he was much better at home than he was on the road last year, which is also odd for a guy who who pitches in Camden Yards. He really got hit around late in the season last year. The ERA was up over 8 in August, up over 10 in September after he had a really good July and, and seemingly a really good start to to his season until August last year. And so for Paul Fry, a guy who I think that's where the he's a good case in the eye test and the numbers actually not backing each other up. You just look at the way he pitches and you think, oh, he's a he's a lefty-lefty guy. If you look at his career numbers, he's been better against right-handers. And you would think that might be the case for a guy like Blyer, but, but really you flip-flop him. Blyer, his whole career has been better against lefties despite getting everybody out when he's been good. But Fry has always been better against righties, and in his career... He has allowed eight home runs, and seven have come to left-handed hitters. He's got a better strikeout percentage, not just last year, but over the two years of his career against right-handed hitters. And I think that bodes well for a lefty like him. But now you almost have to turn it around if you're Paul Fry and and try and figure out a way to get lefties out more often, which is kind of interesting for a guy who who throws from the left side the way he does. So I think... You know, the Orioles trust Blyer to to be in a big role. For Paul Fry, we'll see. You know, he, he got a shot last year. He came up with four saves. He pitched well at times at the end of games when he was called on. But we will see what the Orioles want to do with those two lefties. But you can pretty much hope and, and look forward to both of them being on the 26-man roster on opening day against the Yankees on March 26th. Well, I was going to go a little bit more into the spring training games from Tuesday on this episode. The Orioles had a split squad against the Red Sox and the Rays, but they lost 12-4 to Boston and they lost 15-2 to Tampa. And if I talk about really anything, it's 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 not great because John Means uh, got hit around a little bit in his start. Uh, you look at the runs given up, Dylan Tate got really hit around. Uh, in that Rays game, you look over to the Boston game. Uh, Tom Eshelman actually looked good, but Zach Lowther was was not good uh, following him up. And Hunter Cervenka gave up five runs in a third of an inning in that one. So uh, the pitching wasn't great, but it's it's spring training, and, and you'd rather him get it all out now and, and work on getting better until opening day. So that'll do it for this one. Paul Fry and Richard Blyer, a couple of lefties, and look out for what their impact is going to be in 2020. We'll see if they can both bounce back from, from some rougher 2019 seasons. Rest of the week this week, we're going to do a mailbag episode, so get your questions in. Remember, you can email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com to send in your Orioles questions or comments, or you can tweet the questions to us at LockedOnOrioles on Twitter, or you can tweet them to me at Connor Newcomb underscore, and we will answer the questions or comments in an upcoming mailbag episode. We're also going to look at Renato Nunez coming up uh, a little later this week and do his player preview and really talk about how in the world did Renato Nunez go from a waiver claim guy to a dude who hit 31 home runs for the Orioles last season, and, and can he do it again this year? I think that will be interesting to look at. So if you're liking the pod so far, you know, let us know 
on Twitter, on social media. Let us know in the comments section. If you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening, you can give us a rating and a review in the comments to, to let us know how we're doing on the pod. It, it helps us out a lot, not only with the, the podcast numbers, but also just being able to improve the pod going forward because we're going to be with you all season. So we'll be back with you tomorrow. But until then, this has been a Locked On Orioles podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network.